What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest is a thought leader in hospitality and design, SVP and global director of Wimberley Interiors, a mentor, confidant, and breakfast partner to me, ladies and gentlemen, Margaret McMahon. Welcome, Margaret. Thank you, Dan. You're, you're too kind. You're too kind. But I love the part that we're breakfast partners. That I love do. the best. I, I love our breakfasts that we have. We solve all the problems of the world first thing in the morning. Um, okay, so going into the solving of the problems, yes. agreed. Because every time I connect with you and we sit down and we're just vulnerable with each other and talking about what's going on, I, I know for me, I would like to think for you, we walk away with new ideas and a new perspective. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. You always make me feel better, actually. There's some people that I get together with that depress me. And I think, holy shit, the world's ending. There I thought everything was okay. But you're one of the people where, and I think we feed off of one another in that sense that it's like, oh my God. And we, t we, can't, we can't even get what we want to say in because we're both so excited about what the hell we're talking about. So it is fun. You're one of and those people. Well, I appreciate that. And, but being, I was not always one of those people. And just, you know, before we get into the meat of everything, I just want everyone to know that <clears throat> there was one time, one time I called Margaret in the office and I didn't get her. I got her voicemail. I said, Hey, Margaret, call me, call me back. If you want, it, it's not important. Call me back if you want. And I hung up and I guess like three or four days later, my phone rang. It was you and you tore me a new one. You're like, what the fuck are you doing? You cannot leave a voicemail like that. You have to like manifest things. I didn't even know what manifestation was. Okay. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you, you sent me this book called the law. I think it's the laws of attraction. Um, mm -hmm. And it basically talks about like envisioning an outcome and yeah. putting things out there. And it's really funny because I was just out to dinner the other night with some people that we know. And they were saying, Dan, you're, you're, you're doing this podcast and you're manifesting all this stuff. And I said, you're just that guy. But I wasn't always that guy. And I think that my road turned after you sent me that book and I read it and that must have been 10 or 12 years ago. So I just want to say thank you for that. Well, and it's, it's interesting because, um, and I, I think that we actually had a conversation. You may have been in the office and I said, do you want to work with us? And you're like, yeah, of course I do. I said, well, then why are you saying, like, call me back if you want? Um, and, and listen, we are all out there looking for work. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a supplier. It doesn't matter if you're an architect, a designer. We are all out there trying to basically bring home the bacon and, and support our teams. So it's to want is sort of a very wishy-washy thing. The, the book that really resonates with me is Wayne Dyer and the Power of Intention. Mm. And we were just on the phone um, with a client yesterday for um, exclusive resorts. And we were talking about Miraval, which was designed by one of my heroes, Cloda. And, um, you know, she's such a smart, spectacular woman. And the whole property is based on a guest comes and you set your intention. And, you know, 
I live by Wayne Dyer's book of the power of intention. What and it's intention or manifestation. I, we can all sort of wallow around and say, "I wish this, I wish that," but if you really intend and set, you know, the intention that this is what you want, you can go and really get anything. And I think the reason that I got so upset with you was because you're a really smart, good guy, you know, and you, you certainly know what you're doing. And a lot of times, like myself, I needed, I need to be edited all the time. You know, our, our marketing director is constantly like, Margaret, oh God, please don't say that. But when we want something or when we desire something, it's totally up to us to go get it. And it really is up to us to express to our clients that we really want to work with them. And it's not sounding desperate. It's not sounding like overly salesy. It's just really expressing how much we would love to work with them and how great their project could be. So I think that sometimes um, we get trapped in these places where uh, you know, I, I don't want to come across as too eager or too needy. You know, I think it's perfectly okay. And I think that's why you and my relationship is special because we're so brutally honest with one another. Totally. And I think going into the call me if you want, like there's that old saying, I don't know if it was real or not, um, about oh, who wrote Slaughterhouse Five? Oh, gosh, I can't remember his name. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter, but he, there's right. this like graduation speech that he did where um, he said like, live in California for so long before you come too soft, live in New York for so long before you come too hard. And I think my call me back if you want had more to do with, that was like my California, no pressure part of me coming out, right? right. But Kurt actually- Kurt Vonnegut, Kurt Vonnegut. Kurt Vonnegut, which yes. reminds, yes, Kurt Vonnegut, which reminds me of Rodney Dangerfield's movie, Back to School, when he had Kurt Vonnegut write a paper about Kurt Vonnegut and he failed. And Rodney Dangerfield picked up the phone and was like, Vonnegut, you don't know shit about Vonnegut. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and by the way, anyone listening, I didn't know that. I just Googled it. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not that smart. I just Googled it for you. I'm really um, upset I didn't remember that. But actually going into the intention and outcome and getting what you want, it's really about visualization and seeing the outcome that you want or that we all want. And I think that that's a great segue into the main question here, which is like, how do you take that visualization or outcome or manifestation and use that to define what hospitality means to you? Well, I want to step back for a second because mm -hmm. you and I could go on and on forever, but I, I want to step back for a minute. Visualization is really important because we have so much going on in our lives that sometimes it's hard to remember what intention you're setting, you know? And it's not only from a business perspective, but a personal perspective. You know, we've, we've, we've gotta be very whole um, contributing human beings to what's going on in the world. And I think that visualization, and I think about, um, I know you know her, Margot House. Um, she was doing uh, yeah. vision boards and I'm a, I'm a big, big believer in that. And um, since COVID, it hasn't been able to happen, but it, it takes so much more than just thinking about it. It's visualizing it, whether it's in a notebook that you have or whether it's a big board that sits in your office or your bedroom or whatever, um, because there is so much that is coming at us. Uh, from the standpoint of hospitality, now you asked me, now I'm going to flip it on you. 
how do you define hospitality? And you know, listen, there are all sorts of ways to think about it. And what I did, I did the really lame approach. First, I went to the dictionary. Mm-hmm. And you know, how, how do you define it? Well, according to the dictionary, it's an adjective or a noun. It's not a verb, by the way. And what they say is generous and friendly treatment of visitors and guests or hospitable treatment. And then hospitable is friendly, welcoming strangers and guests. But as we all know, there's so much more to it. Um, And to me, I I started thinking about my friend and I'm gonna give you like the longest, most circuitous answer in the world, which I typically do, but I will get to it, I promise you. So Jerry and Zerillo, um, dear friend of mine, who um, just won the Hotelier of the World Award. And I know I'm gonna get that wrong, but top hotelier of the world, blah, 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 blah. And Jerry started off, he grew up in Brooklyn, um, went to UNLV for hotel school, along with John Sarielli, another one of his pals. And he started working for Four Seasons, then he worked for Ian Schrager, then he worked for Saul Kersner. Um, and then he was CEO of Forbes Travel. And now he's um, one of the top CEOs with MBS in Saudi Arabia. And the reason that I, that I use Jerry as an example is that he uses the term. So he's lived his whole life in the hospitality world. And you should actually do um, a podcast with him because the guy is just incredible. And he said, it's all about service. And whatever that means, it's not just delivering room service and it's not just, you know, delivering on a problem, but it's a service that we're all providing to give an experience. And I I look at that and sometimes, you know, people, even in my office, like interior designers, are, are are we really doing something that matters? And Um, I was just in uh, Dubai and Paris last week. And what it was my first international trip since COVID. And I don't know about you, but during COVID, it was actually nice to take a breather and not be traveling for a little while. Well, you define, like you you are another level when it comes to traveling. So breather has been good for you. Well, (laughs) anyway, I've always said that travel really inspires me. And So I I took the trip to Dubai and to Paris. And what I realized is that um, really, not only does it inspire me, it energizes me, it fulfills me, it brings me joy. It brings me a new perspective. Um, And that's what I think happens for everyone who travels. Whether you're driving down the road to a Holiday Inn Express, or you're hopping on a plane, or you're taking a road trip, or you're glamping, whatever it is, I think that that brings joy to everyone. And I bet that if you were to survey people that have been holed up in their houses for a year and a half, everyone is really craving not only travel, but interaction. And I think that what it's really about is all of us giving service to create a memorable experience and bring joy to people. And I know that sounds like super lofty, like Margaret, you're not finding a cure for cancer. You're not you know, splitting the atom or anything like that. But really, when you think about experiences, and now I'm gonna get really weird. 
we've got one planet and I have a dear friend who's, who's traveling right now and she's just this travel maniac and she hikes everywhere. She throws on a backpack, it's 61, throws on a backpack and just travels. She's in Portugal. Um, she hiked the Fisherman's Trail and is now off somewhere else. And what we both talked about was how much joy that brings us. Whether you're staying in a, a Airbnb or whether you're staying in a pension or whether you're staying in a tent, traveling our planet to be able to see it is a really amazing thing. And I would also say that, you know, you say you're not, we, we are not splitting the atom, right? We're not saving lives, but those experiences in the built environment that we're all doing and the joy that we are bringing others, I think it can change perspective and maybe help someone speed up their way to split the atom or do something remarkable. Without a doubt, without a doubt. I also think that, you know, the world is kind of a crazy place. And I remember when I brought my husband and his best friend um, to Morocco, it was right before, I didn't realize how lucky we were. It was in um, September, right before COVID, you know, that year, right before COVID. And um, they, they were both good, good friends, both um, suffering from cancer. And I kind of called it the cancer tour. You know, they wanted to go to Portugal and then they wanted to go to Morocco. And my husband was so freaked out going to Morocco because he had never, he'd been to Asia as a kid. He had done far more traveling than I had ever done. And, but he hadn't been anywhere in that part of the world. And, you know, what we hear on the news and everything else about, well, listen, the Middle East, Syria um, is, has their, their own problems right now. But when you really go there and experience the people and the culture, it's such an eye-opening, amazing. Mike had such an epiphany. It's like, this is, I, I was so freaked out about going and I was so nervous and he absolutely loved it. So it opened up a whole new world for him. And that is where I think, you know, sometimes I, I, was, I was talking to someone from um, South Africa that I, that I was traveling with last week. And I said, you know, of my generation, the world revolved around the United States. You know, it just revolved around the United States. And it wasn't until um, I was fortunate enough in college to take my first trip to Europe, which was Portugal, to my friend Marie's house. And then I was so inspired that I convinced my dad to send me to Denmark for school, you know, because I suddenly realized a, there's a massive, big, beautiful, interesting, fascinating world out there that I absolutely had to see. And I think that all of our jobs in hospitality is to create those environments for people where it's something that they'll always remember and so they'll find joy. I love that. And because that joy that we're bringing, the bringers of joy, or maybe that yes. you're bringing more, I'm a, I'm a small part of that, but, um, and that experience, it really makes other people feel comfortable and it changes perspective. So as you're going around to all of your teams and clients all over the world and, and doing that, like, what do you do to make yourself feel comfortable? I know that you're bringing joy to so many others, but how do you make yourself feel comfortable on the road? I, um, <clears throat> you know, and I'm just going back to last week, um, 
the person that was traveling with, and she's from Beirut. We were talking about Beirut, which I love. Um, she said, how do you handle, like, aren't you jet lagged? And I said, I just never think about it. I never think about when I go to China or I go to another place about, oh my God, once I'm there, I'm there. I don't think about what time is it in New York or, you know, sort of that difference. The only reason I do is because my team is waking up and if I need to talk to them, but it's never the sense of, um, oh my God, I'm functioning on a totally different time zone. For me, it's about immersing yourself in it and being really, really open um, to, where, to wherever you are. I, and listen, it's not all rainbows and unicorns. I can be super cranky. I can be super bitchy. I can be very ungrateful. Um, in the sense of, you know, where I am, I need to remember to look up and really appreciate it. You know, you and I and everybody in this industry, we get to travel to places that people only ever dream of, you know. Um, my mom, my parents were best friends with one of the heads of Pan Am. They were our neighbors and they traveled to all sorts of interesting places. But my mother never made it to California before she died. And when, when we really think about the things that we get to do, it's pretty freaking amazing. So all I really do is, and I am guilty of flying in, doing my job and flying out and getting to the next one. Um, I would, I, I should allow myself more time, um, personal time, but you know, just don't have the luxury of that right now. But it's really appreciating where you are. And you know, I remember when I went into Syria, um, I was in um, Damascus and I was, I wasn't freaked out. I was just kind of like, well, this is going to be really, really interesting. And um, I think I, yeah, I did just Syria. And my husband actually said to me, he goes, do you have any idea of like where you're going? And he's a super history buff, you know, and knows everything about everything. And um, I said, no, not really. I'm just, I'm just going to go. Um, and it was probably after the fact that I learned really the significance of Syria and where it sits in the Middle East and, and all of that. But I think how I function when I travel is just accepting where I'm going and see where it takes me. Yeah, it sounds like um, just being present, immerse, immerse, immersing yourself, immerse, giving yourself immersing. full immersion, being immersing. Yes. Sorry, I'm like all time time. <laughs> Um, and just being comfortable and then so and then as you're going from place to place with the teams and the clients and what are things that you do to make other people feel comfortable like how do you deliver that experience and make them feel comfortable Hmm. Hmm. well when i'm in paris well and, and i also think it's just trying to understand the culture that you're entering into my big line for Paris is, you know, je parle français un petit peu. That's all I know. D'accord. So I, I'm trying to somehow, instead of walking into a, you know, a front desk and saying, hi, I'd like my room. You know, I always start with, I speak very little French. And then mm. they kind of smile and giggle. And then, you know, that's how that works. But um, I think, and, you know, I'm normally, when I when I travel internationally, I'm by myself until I meet my teams. Um, it's, kind of an, it's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, when I go to China, I'm meeting um, Leo, our guy on the ground there. Um, I, I don't 
really I, maybe i don't understand that question can you run that by me once more yeah so you're you're this whirling <laughs> dervish you're you're being present everywhere you are and you're kind yeah. of flying in for a meeting and how do you make how do you like you're sitting down you want to get things done but you also want to be present and immersed yeah how do yeah. you make everyone get onto your wavelength well i think that you have to focus and you have to know that um you're there to do a job you're there to communicate with your client, you know, and remember in China, many times we're just working through our interpreter, but mm -hmm. it's having that um, positive energy and knowing that you're, you want to be there, you know, no matter where you go. I used to say to Trisha Wilson in 08, remember when the world like freaking ended? Um, I used to say to her, I'll say, I'll get a flak jacket and go wherever I got to go. You want, you want me to go into, you know, Wherever you want me to go, I'll, I'll go. And I really, <clears throat> I really don't have a. There's no place that's off limits. So I think that that, I hope that that energy comes across. You know, I can, clients don't care that you've just flown 13 hours. No one cares. Everybody does that. You know, you got to walk in, you got to switch on, and you got to you got to be ready to go. Whether you want to, whether you're exhausted or not. No one cares. You're there to do a job. So for me, it's about being um, positive. It's and, and listen, you you also have to make sure that you're respectful, um, and that you understand the culture that you're stepping into. Um, and that's really important. I was just with a really lovely client. Um, the the project is in Dubai, and I had to go meet them in Paris. And it's just the loveliest client that I worked with probably eight, nine years ago and um, went to their personal home in Paris. And you've just got to be really careful and very respectful because I can be a runaway train. I mean, you know, there are lots of faux pas that I commit on a daily basis. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always checking myself. I realized, Dad, that I've had to really learn how to check myself. Well, and that's also that that's a cultural thing, too, because, you know, you're a New Yorker born and raised and New yeah. Yorkers are not known. They're known for being super direct, but maybe not the most respectful. So or it could just be taken the wrong way. There is respect in it, but it's just taken the wrong way because we're cutting to the chase. Right. Well, and I don't even think it's that, as a matter of fact, with, with clients. So when I was at Wilson um, and, you know, I was there for a very long time. Um, I have a mouth like a longshoreman. You know, my yeah. favorite word is, is fuck, as everybody knows. And to this day, Trisha could be anywhere in the world. And if she finds something that has fuck on it, she sends it to me. Well, when I joined um, WHEG and started Wemberley, that was not part of their lexicon. They didn't think it was charming. They didn't think it was funny. They didn't think it was professional. And suddenly... I had to realize within all these offices, because there was LA, there was Irvine, New York, London. The London crew didn't seem to care very much. Um, Honolulu and Singapore. <clears throat> I realized that as I went into each office, my cadence had to change, my volume mm -hmm. had to change, my vocabulary most certainly had to change. And that was a little, that was a little humbling. I, I gotta tell you, you know, um, and it, it, it works with clients too. You got to walk in a room and you got to read a crowd. And 
it's like, you know, when you start school and you go into the playground, you got to figure out which are the nice kids or you go into the lunchroom and you have to figure out whose table you're going to sit at. That, that's a life lesson right there, yeah. you know? Uh, well, and you, you have to do it with clients too. You got to be able to read a room and understand, you know, what's appropriate, what's not. And sometimes it, it, it definitely shifts. You mentioned Trisha a couple of times and I, I her as just like a, a visionary, almost industry creator for all of us. Like how old, oh. and you said you were with her for a long time. She's so amazing and incredible. I've met her a couple of times. I don't know her super well, but like yeah. when, when was the first time that you met her? And then you take this Trisha Wilson, this, uh, my perception is this demure Texan. And then you get the brash New Yorker. How did you guys come together and make that work? Well, she's not that demur demure. Exactly. That's why I said that's, she's yeah. not, you know, better she's than that. Um, so, you know, how I got into this business and, um, <clears throat> it was 39 East 67th street, this beautiful brownstone. And they had a floor of it. There was a bedroom. Um, Liz Morehouse ran the, uh, the office. There was a bedroom where this woman, Trisha Wilson came to stay. There was a library, like this one bedroom, and then there was an office, and then Liz was like in the living room. And she said, you know, Trisha Wilson's coming to town. I had no idea who this woman was. And remember, I was a temp at the time. I was temping for them. I was answering phones, cleaning up the disaster that was the sample room. Um, and this was a whole new world for me. So Trisha Wilson comes to town, and, you know, I meet her, and... Um, the first morning that she wakes up and you know, I'm an early riser. So I'm always in the office early, whether I was doing anything, I was always there early. And she said in her sweet Texas voice, would you go and get me Entenmann's donuts? And I said, sure. And um, I went out and it's the donut with like the crumbled sugar on top. Love it. And I got her donuts and she's like, thank you so much. And um, for a couple of reasons, we clicked. First of all, she realized that I was a person that, you know, I'm not beneath going to get someone donuts. Like who cares? You know, in this day and age, I think that people would be horrified. Like if I asked them to go get donuts or pick up dry cleaning or anything, I've never, you know, asked anyone to do anything like that, but um, maybe Joshua a few times, but we have a different relationship. We're so close. Um, but she realized that I was a super hard worker um i think she realized that it was switched on and i think she thought it was funny um so i kind of entertained her but she, first and foremost she knew that i was a super hard worker she she knew that i did that and that you know there was nothing that i i wouldn't do so we we clicked in that sense and it, and and i had been temping for i don't know how many months and i walked in one day and she was there she was in town and I actually said to her and Liz Morehouse, I said, listen, I swear to God, I said this. It's kind of unbelievable. I said, you know, my mom said that I had to go get a real job. I can't, I can't temp anymore. I got to go get, that's what I said. My mom said I had to go get a real job. So they hired me and it, it just took off from there. And um, Trisha is a real straight shooter. And, um, you know, so I'm on, so am I, and I learned so much from her. She is not demure. She is incredibly um, 
she's brilliant. I feel like she and Michael Bedner um, and Howard Hirsch really started our industry. The, the, the three of them just started it and it was pretty incredible. And it was pure dumb luck that um, I wound up in her world. And um, it was just through hard work and dedication. You know, I was a poli sci major, I was gonna be a lawyer. I, you know, yeah. I did not grow up in a family that had interior designers designing their house. But it, it's Nothing also amazing it. because you also said like thinking about that word respect and having known or knowing Michael really well, not knowing Trish very well, <laughs> but whenever I would hear Trish or Michael speak of each other, there was just this tremendous deep respect that each of them had for each other and were celebrating each other's successes. And that's exactly um, what we all need to do. And I think that we do there, listen, there are some people who don't, there are some people who, um, I, I don't know if it's a giving spirit or what it is, but you know, uh, Christina O'Neill of Avrico, I just love her, you know, mm -hmm. um, Alexandra Champalmont, I love her. I love all the guys at Avrico, all four of those partners. You know, when you look at Meyer Davis, those guys, um, when you look at Inc., Adam and his partner, you, you really need to celebrate people's successes. And it's also the people that you really respect who are doing amazing work. You know, mm -hmm. when Trisha and Michael were sort of forming this in Howard, um, as we all know, Trisha would always say to me, there's plenty of work to go around, Margaret. We're going to get what we're supposed to get. And that's really very true. I believe it to this day that we're going to get what we're supposed to get. There's some people who don't necessarily feel that way in our industry, but to respect and to have relationship with your, I, I don't want to say competitors, um, you know, we aspire to be like Africa. You know, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, the, the work that they do and the opportunities that they get um, are just incredible in the work that they do. We should be as good as they are. And I feel like, you know, we are, we're in, you know, a little bit of a different realm. They're certainly known for FEB and they're also really good people. And I think that Trisha oh, yeah. and Michael were so much alike. They were sort of like, you know, sprinkling their fairy dust and starting this and motivating everyone and um, encouraging everyone and teaching everyone. And what they really did is pretty incredible when you think about it. And if you think about just how many careers both of them started, and I can't speak to Trish, but I know for Michael, so many people that came under his umbrella and tutelage and love Michael, hate Michael, whatever, like, yeah, he and they hung their own shingles up and became competitors. He would always be so proud of them and so uh, positive and supportive and never say a, a negative thing. And, and I think that that sometimes is missing. And I think that we just have to all want each other to succeed. And that's also, you know, being hospitable as well, like truly believing in success for all. Well, and, and, and that's an issue. So I just had a senior designer. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. So two weeks ago, I came, uh, I flew to Tucson, which by the way, is very hard to get to. Don't know if yes. you've been into Tucson lately, but dear Lord, it's hard <laughs> to get to. So flew down in the, in the morning, Liana and I uh, worked on our project and hopped on a 6 a.m. flight to get back to New York. 
So I pull up to my house in an Uber and my senior designer is sitting outside my brownstone. And she was bringing me a presentation that I had to do the following week, but she said, you know, can, I need to talk to you. And you know, none of us like to hear that. So it's like, oh mm-hmm. shit. So, um, and I tend to, I consider her a personal friend as well. I said, come on up to the living room. So she's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm sure you need to like refresh or take a shower or rest. Said, no, 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 let's just do this. Let's do this now. So we went upstairs and she, she got teary eyed and she said, I've decided to leave. And I said, oh, you know, my heart was broken. I said, where, where are you going? And she kind of hesitated for a minute. I said, well, I, I think I deserve to know. And she goes, I'm going to Soho House. Mm. And I said, wow, wow. I said, I think, and she started crying. And I said, I tend, I, I think that this is going to be good for you. And I said, why are you crying? She goes, I've been so stressed out. I wanted to tell you, and I didn't know if you were going to be mad. And I said, why would I be mad? Um, I said, quite honestly, I'd be mad if you were going to a competitor, but you're going to an operator. And I'm just, that's full disclosure. And I said, you know what? You need to do this. And all I want for any of my staff anywhere is for them to be happy. And I genuinely feel that way. And people are going to come and people are going to go. We do not have a revolving door in any of our studios, which I'm very proud of. You know, I10 was with us, I think, for eight years, I think. Yeah, I think almost and, 10. Um, yeah, yeah, almost 10. And I10 and I have been through a lot together personally. You know, her dad passed away um, when she was with us and everything else. She's a lovely, super talented girl. And, um, you know, we have to be, we have to be happy for, for people that but- we've had the... I, I saw her shortly after that, and she, you're leaving out a, sto- a part of it, which I think is really important, that also goes into your leadership, which is, she said you were very empathetic, like, you were like, I was there with you wrestling with a decision like this before, like, you, you was like, I've been in your shoes, I know how it feels. Oh, but- I did, I yeah. did, actually, yeah, and I told her, um, when, when I resigned to Trisha Wilson, I mean, I, I was a wreck, mm-hmm. and I told her, I said, yeah, that that's right. Thank you for reminding me. But I told her, I said, it's okay. It's okay. I said, we're still friends. Yeah. You know, um, you're, I said, you're not moving to London, are you? She said, no. And she lives just a couple of blocks away from me. I said, well, we're still friends. None of, none of that changes, you know? Yeah. And I think that that is a mistake that sometimes gets made. Now, the one thing that I hate is when um, people refer to the groups that we're a family. It, there's a creepy cultish thing to me there. And I think that what we need to do is we've got to strike a balance. Listen, my team doesn't want to hang out with me on weekends. That's the last thing they want to do. And quite honestly, you know, we all need to have a separation. We've got to have a personal life and a business life. But I also firmly believe that you need to be switched on to your teams of mm-hmm. what their desires are, what their problems are, if, if, you, can, if you can help them in any way and understand what's going on with them. So for me, and, and Trisha was very much like that. And that's where I get that from. Of It wasn't just about, um, you know, are you meeting your deadlines? Are you, you know, is this client happy? And also she, she's a woman. So she, you know, we would get together and she'd be like, Margaret, you gotta, you gotta color your hair, man. Your roots are like out of control. Or, or she'd say, you know, <laughs> how are your sisters or where'd you get those shoes or things like that. So it's that human level that is 
that's always been important for me. And um, anyone who knows me that the culture in our studios is really important because everybody works really, really hard. You know, no, you have incredible teams all over the globe. And I think a lot of that, even though much in the same way where I was kind of not manifesting the way that I was, I think you as as much of a force as you are, you're also supremely empathetic. And I'm curious, like, where did you learn that empathy? And like, how did you come to just when when she dropped this big news on you to just be like, no, I'm happy for you? Like, where did that come yeah. from? Are you programmed that way? Like, who taught no. you that? no. I was, I was programmed that way. Listen. So like you um, changed the course of my life with respect to manifestation, like who helped you change direction there? Well, my husband, um, you know, when I was doing all my color boards, I think you know that, that, you know, I had books on every board and mm -hmm. my husband and my sister said, I'm like the queen of self-help book, which, which I am. I can use all the help I can get. I don't know about you, but you know, I can use all the help I can get. My husband actually got me um, The Power of Intention by Wayne Dyer. Mm -hmm. And um, my husband, you know, a lot of people don't know my husband. Some people don't think I have a husband. Some people think, you know, for years there was a rumor that I was a lesbian. You know, all, all, all sorts of stuff is flying around. But Mike has been really critical in what I do in the sense that he knows when I'm when I'm on the when I'm on the ledge, he knows when things are going really well, and he can definitely tell when I'm cratering. Um, and he can very subtly just do something for me that I course correct. Um, so he got me the book, The Power of Intention. Also, too, our mutual friend Christine Bushell, who. Um, introduced me to feng shui, feng shui and, yeah. and, and, and what all that does. But it was really, um, I think Trisha was really important in that too. When I um, took over the office, you gotta remember we're, we're, you know, we're dealing with um, personalities and, and um, really in some cases fragile, very talented, very artistic human beings. I remember one instance, I had a conversation with Trisha and um, she said, what have you done for your team lately? I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, you know, have you planned any parties? Have you planned any outings? I said, Trisha, Jesus, I employ these people. Isn't that enough? And she goes, no, it's not enough. It's not enough. And she said, you have got to engage them in other ways. You've got to make sure that they're happy and that they're fulfilled. So that primarily came from Trisha because I so vividly remember that conversation with her. I'm like, Jesus, really? I've got to do more? And she said, yeah, you, you have to do more. I love that because I, I'm guilty of that as well where you know everyone's so busy, you're dealing with all this stuff coming over the transom. And I oftentimes forget to celebrate the little wins. And sometimes just a little thing, making this small moment and celebrating it with everyone has such a profound impact. It doesn't even have to be a huge party. It's just like, here's good news. Oh, listen, it's, it, it is the simple things. Like I was in the studio this week and you know, when you can feel the energy, I would just stand up and say, I'm going to Starbucks. I think everyone here needs coffee, you know, and just treating people to coffee or I 10, I knew something was going on to be perfectly honest with you. I could just sense it. 
-hmm. And she and I were on a call and I said, listen, I'm going to be in Brooklyn. Do you, do you want to go um, for a manicure and a pedicure? You want to meet me? And we'll just go and we'll catch up. And she said she, she had deadlines, which she did, which we didn't do. But it's, it's also being intuitive and being able to hear, you know, we're in the studio three days a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but layer on top of that, that I'm traveling. So I have to make sure that I'm really in touch with everyone. Now that doesn't mean that I'm in touch with everyone, mm -hmm. but through Joshua, through Liana, um, through Adam, I can tell what the pulse is and they can tell me if, you know, people are really stressed out, they're working really hard, what we need to do. Um, so it's, it's realizing that during the pandemic, we did Daniel Englander, who you know in London. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, he, he called me up during the pandemic. He goes, oh, Margaret, we just had a magician. And I said, just, what the hell are you talking about, Daniel? He goes, well, we needed to have an event. So we, we need to do, um, we did a magician. I said, oh, you've got to send it to me. And it's this guy, Pete Heath, who's so amazing. I can't even tell you. So we had him on a Zoom call. Uh, we did a second Zoom with him where we brought in London and LA. And then the architects got him too. So we did that. We did an escape room. We did a like a uh, animal rescue upstate. So even when, and, and that can come from, you know, people need to remind me all the time because I can go deep into my trench and, forget yeah. about the world, you know? Um, and it's also, I'm a big believer of, I run into people, I'm meant to, I'm meant to run into people and have a conversation with them. I'm meant to see certain people to get, and I know this sounds like ooky spooky, you know, I'm not religious, but I'm pretty darn spiritual. I'm supposed to get, I'm supposed to hear certain things at certain times. And as crazy as that sounds, um, that's important to me. And Daniel called me, you know, during the pandemic from London. It's like, oh, we're doing this. So we all started sharing that information. And I, I, I am going to explain because people listening will probably think that I'm really weird. But I'll tell you when I really learned that. We were working on the Boca Raton Resort and Club, and it was a mm -hmm. big competition. Five firms, HBA was there, we were there, uh, three other firms. It was super stressful. And I remember flying down and being so stressed out about the presentation the next day. And it was staying in the tower. Now the Boca Raton Resort Club, there's the Cloisters, there's the tower, there's the Yacht Club and the Beach Club. Dude. And I was staying in the towers and I had ordered room service. And the man who brought me room service, now it was, the towers are far from the main kitchen. The man who brought me room service clearly had a health issue where it was difficult for him to walk. And I swear to God, I'm cheering up. I remember getting that tray and sitting it in my room saying, how lucky are you? And how amazing was it that you met this man who was so cheerful, so nice, had just walked about half a mile to bring my food to me and had, you know, he was so joyful and so kind. And I thought, Margaret, count your blessings, count your blessings. So it's things like that where 
I run into people and they'll say something to me. I'm like, I so needed to hear that today. I so needed to see this person today. And it's kind of amazing because I think that we also manifest that too. You know, when you're, when things are tough and you're having a bad day and suddenly someone, it's all about looking up and remembering to see people that are, are around you. I would say, uh, thank you for sharing that story, by the way. I mean, that's- I that's, didn't mean to get all weepy and girly. No, I love it because ultimately- I call those spikes of gratitude. Yeah. Uh, and I used to have these spikes of gratitude when things like that would happen. Not that particular instance, but you know, so someone has a health problem. Um, someone dies. I'm like, oh my God, thank you right. so much. Right. <clears throat> However, since reading that book, Laws of Attraction and going on this journey to like kind of opening up to things and manifesting uh, and writing a lot, I've, I've developed this kind of hum of gratitude that goes on in the background. So it's not as spiky. It's still oh, there a little that. bit, <clears throat> but it's also, it's just that matter of like being open and doing things in practice that yeah. make me open. And also just trying to recognize when the planets are aligning, like you're saying right. to me that the world speaks and ye sometimes yells at us. Yeah. If, if we don't have that openness, it's very hard to hear it and make it happen. So right. Thinking like learn. Thank you for sharing all those stories about you and uh, super meaningful. I, I, I love it, and I, I really want to get Trisha on here too because as a trailblazer, like she, I think she would just be amazing. Yeah. Um, but switching gears to the present now, so like we're yes. all here, we're kind of coming out of COVID. Everything's here. Like, what's keeping you up at night right now? Um, what is keeping me up at night right now, and Adam. Um, farmery from Africa and I were talking about it. And, and here's an interesting one for you. Uh, finding talent. Because what happened was, you know, everyone had to course correct. And now suddenly there's a tsunami of work coming at us and having the right talent. And um, I had a phone call with the head of design for a brand who I called up to say, I is leaving. I'm seeing a trend. I'm seeing a trend of operators now coming to design firms to get talent. We've had it happen in London. We've had it happen in New York. Hasn't happened in LA yet or Singapore, but you know, people are, people are moving around. And I then called another person at, from this operator who was specific to the project. And they said, oh yeah, we totally know what you mean. We just poached some designers from X firm and, and I thought, God, this, it's sort of 08 all over again. It's trying to get the right talent. Um, you know, Liana said to me the other day, do not make a desperate hire, Margaret, which I've been known to do. You know, we don't want to just put seats in chairs. We don't want to do that to our clients. And we want to get the right people. And I understand that, um, you know, people are reprioritizing their lives. You know, this is a tough business. It's tough to deliver on this. And, and you made a comment earlier that you're just a small part of it. Listen, it truly takes, you know, a village is a word, but it takes the whole team. It takes everybody in this process to make a project successful, everybody. And then you hand that over and then to run it. So everybody is as important as the next person. But um, so what's keeping me up right now is finding the right talent. I think as you were saying that, I'm think what I'm thinking is 
I'm going back to you being a temp worker with Trish and bringing her donuts. I think it's also a tremendous opportunity for everyone to start building benches younger, inspiring younger people, giving people opportunities that they don't have. Because, Absolutely. Okay, there's there's going to be a lag, but I think if, if you can connect with other younger versions of yourself in the way that Trish connected with you, it creates a sticky um, culture of recruitment and, and empowerment. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true. Now I, I do want to give um, a shout out, you know, when we had to uh, course correct and we had to let a few people go, Mike Sumi picked up um, two of my team members, which was, I was so, I was so thankful that he did that. And um, I've seen, you know, people move on to uh, Tahani's office, took on um, one of our designers, which is great. Um, and I'm so grateful that they were able to do that. Um, and, and that's another thing about, you know, having a network of people that you really respect that really do help one another. You know, mm -hmm. um, Adam Farmery and I were talking about um, certain conditions and things. And I, I really value that relationship um, that we compete, but we don't compete, but we also can share experiences, which I think is really, really important, you know, and um, that we can support one another. But when you do talk about sort of giving people um, opportunities that may not, may not have existed before, mm -hmm. I think what I'm seeing is that residential has just skyrocketed. You know, I was talking to Matt Berman in my car the other night um, saying, I have, I have this residential project. And he was kind of like, Margaret, that's, that's not for us. But the fact that he and I, you know, I'd always see him at events and I just love Matt Berman. But the fact that we're talking back and forth now of resources and here's a project, do you want it? You know, is this something for you? Um, but being able to have all those conversations and, um, what I worry about, Dan, is that people have gone, residential is booming. I think that the schedules that we've all been keeping up with in hospitality are tough to sustain. Yeah. And I think this year and a half for a lot of people has, um, they've reprioritized what's important, you know? And some people have left the industry completely. Some people have gone over the operator side, which we know will always happen. You know, there's, there's shifting lanes, they're staying within the industry, but it's really tough. It's really hard. Uh, you know, we deal with schedules that are insane. Yeah. Um, budgets, listen, we've always worked with that, but it's, it's really challenging and it's, it's I, hard. Go ahead. You said something that I really love, which I believe in, and that we all can learn from is like sharing experience with others. So if you take yeah. the Adams and the Mats and the um, the Mikes and all those people, those that respectful cadre of competitors, and like if you were to think about this experience share, what would what could that look like for all of you? I I think it um, probably makes all of us better. Like I'm going to. Are you going to Summit? You're going to Summit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm really looking forward to going to summit and seeing Kathleen Dauber from HBA. You know, I love her. Um, there's she a whole was at HBA when people. I was an intern there. Yeah, well, I remember her telling me years ago, Margaret, as you start to go into China, pack like, you know, 
protein bars and stuff in your suitcase. I mean, she was advising me, like, if you hate China, if you hate the food that's in the dormitory, because we, we were staying out in, um, on Hainan Island in the middle of nowhere. And she was great. But it's, it's also things like that. But it's also commiserating, which is really important. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to say, is it me or has the world just gone crazy? And when you can commiserate with your peers and say, okay, I'm not crazy or I'm not totally incompetent or I, I know I have a great team, but now I know I have a really, really great team. I think that's an important distinction because I said that cadre of competitors, but you said peers. And I think it's looking at those people as peers and sharing experience is really going to be important to everyone's success going forward. Yeah. And listen, um, the guys at Inc. are off the charts, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, I I don't look at, and I always tell my team, do not worry about, because we do a lot of competitions. Do not worry about what everyone else is doing. Just know that you are doing the right thing. Just do the right thing. That's it. So I don't like to look at, and listen, there are some people in the industry that I don't necessarily like to hang with. They're not, they're, um, it's a spirit thing. You know, it's a giving spirit to me. And there's some people that are not so giving. And I just don't, you know, I just don't gravitate towards that. And I certainly don't gravitate towards me, but I consider myself very lucky for the relationships that I do have. Now, I know we've totally gone off piste on this whole hospitality thing. Are you and I just talking mumbo jumbo or do we no, need to get because back? I th- right? No, it, this all fits into it because when, when people ask me how I define hospitality, I don't have a specific answer. So this is like part of my discovery process. Yes, we can look in the d- dictionary, but there's this, it's almost like a multifaceted Venn diagram in this gray area in the middle that I'm you know, this like it's is a, really in. It's a spirit. It's a, it's yeah. a giving spirit of wanting to do great things for people. Yeah. Wanting to make it something great. Wanting you know? to do great things for others. Yeah. It, again, it's that idea of service. So like all of this stuff or all these data points that's helping me shape and define what I want. Cause I don't think there is a real, definition for I mean there is in the dictionary so looking at what's keeping you up now which is kind of a bit of a downer but like also some good stuff came out of that yeah but like, I know but think, you want me to be honest right no yeah, I love it what, no no that's what totally if, keeps me up at night if it's keeping you up at night it's a downer and like talent yeah. is really hard to come by retain and and grow and leaders are hard to grow but now switching gears of thinking about what excites you like what's exciting you about the future oh well I think that um us going back into the studio. We started on July 6th. Our studio has been open since last July, last July. So people could go in and out. We've all been working remotely, but starting July 6th, I put some guardrails around this thing and said, I want, I'd like people to be in the studio Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays. We have to start to engage with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really excites me. Um, we did have to start going back to masks um, starting yesterday, which bummed me out a little bit. Don't even get me started on the debate between vaccinated and not vaccinated. Um, oh, that, that's can, a whole other podcast. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast for sure. Um, but that we're starting to get more on track again, you know, mm-hmm. that the world is waking up and things are start. people are getting on planes, the airports are um, more populated, uh, restaurants are, you know, getting, coming back online. Um, 
people are engaging, people are hugging one another. Um, all of that, I think, is very, very encouraging. Now, I think that what will happen, and obviously I'm not Dr. Fauci, but I just hope and pray that it'll, it'll become like the flu. You know, the different strains will become yeah. like that, and we'll all learn how to live with this, yeah. um, which, well, I, which I think is no, important. No matter what the virus may throw at us or vaccines or anything, I love the, how you say engage. Because getting back in the office, having these longer conversations, even on these podcasts, this engagement, I look at it as collisions. And when things collide, new, new ideas come out of them. And if we, I feel That's like definitely. we've lost a year and a half of collisions and engagement, and, or it's yeah. been different. We haven't allowed that simmering time, right, of just yeah. being. And what's interesting, so um, I was with Cindy Allen for the first time, you know, of Interior Design Magazine yeah. a couple of weeks ago. And it, the reason I was with her was that um, it was my friend's birthday. And Cindy and I did this, this whole thing together. And then she came over to Laura's house and everything else. And Cindy and I had been in constant contact. She has a house up near here. And we were, it's amazing how you start to have different conversations. You know, Cindy Allen is like a god to me. She always scared the hell out of me. And I can say that because I've told her that. Um, she used to scare the daylights out of me because she's such an icon and hangs out with such fancy schmancy people. I but, could say the same about you when I was first starting. Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway, but you realize that your conversations completely change and they become much more personal. Mm -hmm. And... Even during, and to see her, I was just so happy to hug her and her husband, Marino, and to have that physical contact and engagement. And that is so important. And my team, I have to tell you, Dan, that we would do roundups every week and just talk to people about anything. We wouldn't even talk about work and how much more I got to know them during COVID than being in the office. Now we're back in the studio in Kelvin, who comes in early, has his headset on. We're now back to Kelvin and I don't talk anymore. I think I'm just going to have to call him on a yeah. Monday or Friday to catch up. But it is all about that engagement that, mm -hmm. is, that is so important, I think. I actually think, so at one point I got super healthy during COVID. Then I got super fat and was eating everything that wasn't nailed down. I told Liana the other night that I think I almost ate myself to death the other night because so stressed out, you know, and that's just how I'm coping with it right now. But being in the office yesterday um, in the studio with Joshua and Noel and Katerina and Kelvin and Margarita and Josh Held, that makes such a difference. So I've now gotten my shit together. I had a conversation with myself yesterday morning. You know, I'm walking to Williamsburg to grab the subway and I'm getting off at 14th Street. And I'm walking down Lafayette and I'm, I'm back to the, the world just feels more normal to me. So for my, for my own personal neuroses, um, getting back with people has been huge for me. Yeah. Huge. Now I know you said you were eating, eating yourself. Yeah. Um, you, you so, <laughs> but like, I love this question. Cause again, I think food has so much to do with how people feel comfortable and, and hospitality when you're on one of your whirlwind trips and how, what food do you crave the most when you're away, away, when a craving comes? 
and I'm not a foodie, you know, no. if you, if, if you look at a lot of our friends in the industry who are true gourmets, I look at the stuff that Brad Wilson um, cooks for David. And I, I always tell them, I'm coming over. I'm coming over right now. Um, so I'm not a real foodie. I'm not. The most important thing for me when I'm traveling is being able to get coffee. I know that sounds so simplistic and stupid. It's hard um, to find a good cup. But coffee is really important to me. Extremely important mm. to me. Um, <clears throat> I love Middle Eastern food. Mm-hmm. I just die for it. So um, when I'm in the Middle East, I love having Middle Eastern food. Uh, or you go down to Broadway and get a, a little lamb and, lamb and rice. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But um, so China is a tough one for me. As Leo says, Margaret, I know you just want a salad and some chicken. You know, yeah. I'm not a super adventurous eater. Um, no jellyfish for you. No jellyfish. And I don't eat seafood there. I don't oh, eat that's seafood, right. which cancels out a lot for me. Um, mm. But yeah, as stupid and as unsophisticated as that sounds. Coffee it's not and like shawarma. I was, yeah, it's not like I was eating escargot in Paris. Wasn't doing okay. that. Secretly, yeah, I was that. hoping you were saying you would crave a breakfast at Balthazar with me. Well, you know, I love Balthazar and we have yeah. to get Michael Bosworth. We have to get David um, and we have to get Tony Machado. Done. We, we got to get him. And um, now I'm traveling until like mid-September, if you can believe yeah. that. So, so we'll, 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 we'll do a September one. Yeah, we'll figure that one out. Most okay, so just kind of ra- rounding third right now and thinking about, this is my journey shortener, uh, yes. this question. So like, let's say you appear in front of your eight-year-old self in Douglaston, Queens. Yes. What, ad- what advice do you give your eight-year-old self? Oh, that's that so- powerful young girl, knowing what you know now, what, what do you tell yourself? Like lighten up. I don't know if you ever saw the Bill Murray movie where he goes into the military. Oh my God. Stripes. What is it? Stripes. My husband often says to me the line, lighten up, Francis. Lighten up, Francis. I love so, Bill Murray. Amazing. So anyway, I said to Mike, I said, I find that highly insulting. Finally, one day I just broke down because as Jerry Anzarillo said to me one day, he, he's got this great saying, you could wear the balls off of a pool table. Now, I don't really know what that means, but isn't that brilliant? I, and love, I, know, I don't know what it means either, but I, I love know, it. I know that I could wear the balls off of a pool table. So Michael said, Mike said to me, <laughs> lighten up, Francis. And he finally showed me the clip from stripes about what that was and it was pretty damn funny but it's so true i um i'm probably my own worst enemy as a matter of fact i know that i am you know i'm not happy unless i'm doing 50 million things at once my husband also said i'm like a shark i never stop moving um and i need to really i need to lighten up i really need to lighten up self-care yeah. I think we're all, I think really, if you get down to it, we are all our own worst enemies. Could be. Right? Could be, yeah. But I like that lighten up, Francis. I think I need, I've been looking for all these great 80s movies to dust off and watch I'm gonna the send. I'm going to send you the clip because I sent it to, I sent it to someone. I can't remember. <laughs> hey, who. I'll send it to you. Lighten up, Francis. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, it. <laughs> I love it. So I'm envisioning that little girl that stands in front of the uh, New York Stock Exchange or that big bull somewhere down there. And you're walking up to her and you're just saying, lighten up, Francis. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Awesome. That's it. Uh, in a nutshell. Uh, okay. So Margaret, where can people connect you, connect with you? How can they find you? Um, Margaret with three, the number three dogs. <laughs> that is my Instagram. Then we have Wemberley Interiors. We have Wemberley Interiors website. Um, so they can certainly reach out to me there. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Margaret, I want to say just thank you so much. I, I, I love all of our conversations and thank you. <laughs> thank you, Dan Ryan. You're the best. Um, have a great right. weekend. Yes, you too. And thank you to all of our listeners. I hope this talk has evolved your view on how to deliver hospitality and also to make sure others feel cared for on their journeys in life. I'm sure I sure learned something. And if you did too, please share this podcast. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you, Lighten Dan. up, Francis. There you go.